Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey, good morning. It is great to be here this morning and continue with our series, um, Get Rich Quick, where we're looking at, you know, exchanging the worldly view of getting rich quick with a kingdom view. That's what we're doing. That's the point of this series. And I shouldn't have to remind you either, but I will. See, one is temporary and the other is eternal. See, deep down though, don't we? We, we all may want to be rich. And when do we want it? We want it now. The world is obsessed with shortcuts. People want instant fame, instant success and instant wealth. You don't seem to need any talent anymore either, do you, with the the rise of reality TV programs. The worldly view of richness is all about self. Get as much as you can for yourself. The kingdom view of richness is about selfless. You see, real richness comes when we give, not when we get. And for me, I feel it's important to get rich quick, kingdom richness. We need the kingdom view. And I want to suggest that the world needs it too. And last week, Jane kicked off the series and she spoke about love and she said how love is more than a feeling, it's a choice. And what I'm looking today is underpinned by love. This morning, I'm going to look at serving. Not that kind of serving. I love tennis and could speak about tennis all day, but I do want you to hold that picture there for, 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 for a moment. Re- remember it. Keep it in mind. Because serving in tennis, it gives you an advantage. You see, you stand a better chance of winning on your service game when you serve. Guys, I want you to know you stand a better chance of winning in life. You get rich quick when you serve others in life. And I can't really talk about serving without recognising that absolutely everything, everything God does, everything, every motive behind what God does, everything is infused and motivated by love. And then when it comes to us, you you can't serve others if you don't love others. See, love is what love does. And it was all because of his great love for us that Jesus saved us. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Philippians 2 and verse 7. You know, some of us, like the idea of serving until we're treated like a servant. But know this, Jesus willingly chose to become a servant because he chose you, because he chose me. Jesus came to set people free, to give us identity and purpose. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And when we are served, we discover our identity. Check this. Serving in the kingdom of God is like a weapon of mass redemption. It lets people know what they were created for, that they were created for something special. 
They were created with purpose and meaning. Guys, this is why I love and get the privilege to lead Alpha here at Life Central Church. You see, we get to serve people, provide a meal for them, tea and coffee, and we get to sit and listen and, and help explore um, some of the questions that they have. And then we see a change in them over a very short space of time because we've given them time. To, to, we've given time to serve them and let them express themselves. You know, one of my prayers every, every Monday night on, on Alpha is, is, Lord, give us wisdom what to say. Give us wisdom also to keep our mouths shut sometimes as well. That's maybe a word for, for someone in the, in the room this morning. But we get to serve them. And that is an incredible privilege. And then we get to see the change in them. And then when it comes to evangelism, you know, evangelism for me, it's not telling people what I know. I don't start with the Bible when, when I'm doing evangelism. Did he really say that? Yes, I did. I don't start with telling people about the Bible. I tell them and show them who I know. And that is Jesus. See, Jesus had compassion. Jesus' first thought when he met someone was, how can I serve them? Jesus noticed people. He saw a need and he met it. And as I walk around the town, you know, that's what I often do. I look into people's eyes and I'm like, what God, what is going on in their life? And again, it's not that obvious when you see people struggling, you can go and you can offer help. And you know, just a a, a, a couple of weeks ago, recently, I was, I was around Hales Owen and outside Asda and, and this lady, she was about the same age as, as my nan and I, I saw her struggling with two heavy bags of, of groceries and, you know, she'd walk a, a, a bit and then she'd put the bags down, she'd try and adjust her handle, you know, her handling and she'd pick them up and, and carry on walking and I, and I saw that and I was driven just to go and help her, you know, if that was my nan, I'd I'd like to think that someone else would, would step in and help them. And I, I went and I approached her and I said, excuse me, can I, can I help you? You look as if you're, you're really struggling with that. And she looked a bit suspicious and I'm like, hey, don't, don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to run off with your shopping. I have a really bad back. Anyway, you'd probably beat me in a race. Um, but then like, she, she let me help her. And then as we walked to the car, as I'm carrying her bag, she's, she's like, that's very kind of you. And I just explained about my nan. If someone else saw my nan do that, I'd like to think they'd do the same. And we opened up a conversation. I just simply asked, hey, how's your day? What's, what's going on? What are you doing after? And, and she opened up. She said it was her birthday um, that day. And <laughs> she'd had a massive argument with her son and hadn't spoken to him for a while and wasn't expecting to to hear from him on that day, and it was going to be particularly tough. And again, that broke me, you know, he's drawn with compassion. And I don't always do this, but I felt in that moment, I just simply asked, hey, can I pray with you? Can I pray with for you? And, and the lady turned around and she said yes. And, you know, in that moment, she, she closed her eyes, didn't put hands on her or anything, but I just spoke affirmation, spoke love, spoke hope, spoke life into her, into her life spoke of her value, of how God sees her. And, and as I'm praying, her eyes are closed, mine are open. I just see tears rolling down this lady's face. That all came as a result of, of serving, of, of noticing, of being driven by compassion. 
Guys, I want you to know that we are, we're not just saved uh, from things. We're saved to things. And this is the invitation that uh, Jesus gives us. He, he invites us to participate with him in bringing hope, life, freedom, and salvation to the world. And this is for everybody. See, we are saved. We are saved from and we are saved to. But how do we do the saving? I want to suggest what I've just already said. I want to say it, that we do it primarily by serving. We do the saving by doing the serving. You see, we are saved to serve. And this is a, actually a, a salvation army motto. But for me, this actually is our identity and purpose. And if you can get to grips with these two things, man, I think you're set. Talk about getting rich quick. I think you're done. See, this is like two drivers that will drive the direction and the tra trajectory of your life forever. See, once you realize who you are and what you're here for, man, you are set. It is game on. You actually get to do the business of what God has for your life. You see, when we are served, we discover our identity. When we serve, we discover our purpose. And serving is not something we do. It's an action that reflects who we are. And James, James, the, the brother of Jesus, we're looking at the book of James through this series. He, he has some pretty strong stuff to say on this matter. No, I don't know about you, but do you always uh, seem to have a, a member of family that's really harsh, that just says what they feel, that, that tells it how it is? James is, is that guy. But he, he really wants people to get their purpose. You see, it's not enough just to be saved. And we'll pick the story up and see what James has to say in James 2, 14 to 20, and then verse 26. It says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, ah, oh, you have faith, I have deeds. Some to say, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. <laughs> Good, James says, well done. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James gets straight into it. and He's not mincing his words here. He mentions uh, faith in that passage, in that short passage, eight times. Eight times. And every time faith is mentioned, it is followed by action. When we have faith, we serve. We're saved to serve. And I want to give you four things uh, of what 
genuine faith uh, is really like in, in this passage. And I want to start by telling you what it isn't. Is that okay? So number one, genuine faith isn't indifferent. It's involved. You can't stay indifferent when you've got faith. You've got to get involved. A big, burly man visited the pastor's home and, and asked to see the minister's wife, a woman well known for her charitable impulses. Madam, he said in a broken voice, I, I wish to draw your attention to, a terrible, to the terrible plight of a, of a poor family in this area. The father is dead, the mother is too ill to work, and the nine children she has are starving. They are all about to be turned out onto the cold, empty streets unless someone pays their rent, which amounts to £750. How terrible, exclaimed the preacher's wife. May I ask who you are? The visitor, trying his best to look sympathetic, he replied, I'm the landlord. And that's being indifferent, isn't it? That's not wanting to get involved. That's passing on the book. And you know the people James is referring to that are in need are other brothers and sisters in Christ who have genuine needs like food and clothing. Jane explained last week that in church now the, the masters and the slaves are together. But there's a, a huge gap. And James is speaking into that gap. James 2, verse 15 to 16. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of, them se- if, if one of you says to them, oh, just go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? See, what James is saying here is, huh, it's not, it's not the thought that counts. It's not the thought that counts, it's the action. You see, you can't be indifferent when that is happening. You have to get involved. And then 1 John 3 verse 17 says says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Wow. See, guys, a genuine love reaches out to others. And genuine faith produces acts of compassion. Serving is not something we do. It's an action that reflects who we are. Number two, genuine faith is not independent. It's partnership. James 2 and verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, we'll call that serving, is dead. And, and James reference to dead here it means that it's useless or it's ineffective it's the opposite of affecting of effective or living it has no purpose and I want to make this clear to you this morning because this passage of scripture is challenging uh, to someone there's lots of discussion you know around it we are saved by faith alone you need to know that we are saved by faith alone not by any work that we have done to earn salvation. But faith that saves is not alone. See, it is followed by demonstrations that prove the genuineness of 
our faith. And for me, you can't have one without the other. If you dissolve the partnership, faith dies. Serving is not something we do. It's a reflection. It's an action that reflects who we are. Then number three, genuine faith is not invisible. It's on display. Genuine faith is not invisible. It's on display. And James brings up here a a hypothetical situation. James 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. What James is illustrating here is a person who, who, who wants to keep their faith to themselves, who, who doesn't share it with anyone, let alone help anyone. A person who, who doesn't wear their beliefs on their sleeve. But James challenges those with a a passive, ineffective faith by saying genuine faith must, must display itself. See, to be a servant means that you genuinely care about people. Even the people society um, considers unlovable or unthinkable. Even the West Brom fans. Moving on. Jesus encourages us to follow his lead and to serve one another. And then in John 13, a beautiful, a beautiful passage of, of scripture. You may know it well. It's when Jesus, he, he knows now it's the time for him to, to leave this world. And he knows the person that he's going to betray him. He's got a lot going on, uh, on his plate. But it's here as As Jesus eats with his disciples, he he shows the greatest act of love, humility, and service. As he washes, he washes his disciples' feet. And then after washing his disciples' feet, after serving them in that way, he says this to them, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Wow, in this moment, Jesus sets an example for for them to follow. They should do as he has done for them. Guys, we should do as Jesus has done for us. We are saved to serve. And Jesus not only led by serving, but he also loved by serving, never placing himself in a position above others. He washed feet He fed thousands. He visited and healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. He spent time with those no one else cared to or would spend time with. Jesus lived a life of humility. Humility. The best definition of humility I can find is agreeing with God about who you are. True humility is coming into agreement with God about who you are. Um, When you get there, when you get to a place of true humility, guys, you become free to serve. You become free to do what actually you were created to do. Jesus, you see, shows us what God is like, that he is truly humble. We have to come to that place so that we can fully serve others, expecting nothing 
back in return. See, we serve from love, not for love. We serve from worth, not for worth. See, we are secure in our identity and we know our purpose. Serving is not something we do. It's an action that reflects who we are. Number four, genuine faith is not intellectual. It's from the heart. Verses 19 to 20, you believe that there is one God. Good, well done, James says. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Goes on to say, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is dead? Foolish, in, a, in another translation, says phony. You are a phony if you do nothing, if you don't put faith into action. This is a, an interesting ad in, in what James says about the demons believe that and, and shudder. However, it's very profound. You see, his audience were mostly all from Jewish backgrounds. They would understand the context which James is speaking at, about. And that is Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This verse was very well known to the Jewish people. It's massive to them. See, it's known as the Shema. It's a Jewish prayer. And this was recited at the start of every morning and also at the end of every day before bed. See, it was taught to their children to signify and to remember that they serve and worship only one God when there were so many others known at that time. The issue is that just acknowledging who God is, though, <laughs> is not enough. Having knowledge all about the Bible, guys, is, is not enough. You see, you can't just stay head knowledge. It has to move to the heart. Then it has to move to the hands and to the feet. You see, if you want to follow Jesus' example of, of serving others, you have to first look at your heart. Is your heart struggling this morning? Is your heart struggling to love others? Is your heart struggling to, to help others? And if so, ask God for a heart change and be open to him working, stretching and changing it. And when he does this, it may bring up some things you may not have wanted to see and things you may need to address and work on. But guys, asking God to do this is completely worth it because it sets you free to your purpose. See, God has the power to change your heart and to teach you to love others and serve others with kindness and compassion. I want to finish with a question this morning, maybe two questions. But the first one is this. What would others say you are always doing? Think about that for a moment. What would others say you are always doing? Are you always kind? Are you always smiling? Are you always happy? Are you always working? Are you always on your phone? Are you always stressed? Are you always rushed, always grumpy, always helpful? Are you always ready and, and willing to, 
to serve others. You know, me, as I thought about this, I'm, I'm often a lot of those things always on my phone and, and all of that. But, you know, as I thought about it, for me, man, I'm, I'm always parenting. Always parenting. I know once you're a parent, you're, you're always a parent. But, but there's a time, isn't there, where, where your children grow up and they fly the nest? No, 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 not me. My eldest daughter is 22. And now I have a, a three-year-old, too. Man, I'm always parenting. Like, I'm, I'm only 30, but I look, I know, I look like this. Always parenting. That's, that's going to continue with Evie for, for a, a, a number of years. But check this, here's the point. You know, March the 15th at the end of our series, we have an opportunity, compassion are coming here. And I've already said that you can't serve with compassion. Can we go to the photo? Awesome. We have the opportunity to hear from compassion and then to, to partner with them. We get the opportunity to serve and to change a community and people's lives by possibly sponsoring a child. You have the opportunity to do that. And actually, always parenting, you know, I've got four daughters. Please pray for me. Four daughters. And I've always wanted a son, but that ain't happening now. I am give up. Um, but I've always wanted a, a, a son. I wanted to pass on my uh, athletic prowess. What are you laughing at? I've always wanted a son. And there was a, a, a compassion um, thing, a, a conference in Bradford that I'm sitting, sitting in. This is years ago now, and this is going through my head. You know, four daughters always wanted a, a son. And while this compassion thing was, was going on and an opportunity to, to sponsor a child. I heard the Holy Spirit to say to me as, as clear as anything in my life when it came to sponsoring a child. Simon, this is your opportunity to have a son. This is your opportunity to do something about it, to get involved, to sponsor a child. Now I sponsor a Jacques, a French lad, um, and he's incredible. And you know, I have four daughters. I'm going to have four sons too. And on March the 15th, I want to sow that seed. You know, some of you, start thinking about that, how you can serve. How can we change a, a community by, by serving, by loving, by giving, by, 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 by all of that? It's an incredible privilege. And we can do that because we know our purpose. What would others say you are always doing I want to finish with a, a story in, in Acts um, 9, verses 36 to 43. The, the words are going to come up on the, on the screen. It says this, In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Man, who calls their child Dorcas? Come on, I bet she's really glad of the translation there to, to Tabitha. Anyway, she was always doing good and, and helping the poor. Did you get that? What are others saying you're always doing? She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. Her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. 
All the widows, widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the other believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This, because, this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Here, we see what others said about Dorcas, about Tabitha. She was what she was always doing. And guys, it was pretty special, wasn't it? She was always doing good. She was helping the poor. She had a, a servant heart. She made clothing for the poorest in community. And she was loved by the community, so much so that when they heard Peter, an apostle, was passing, they, they went and got him and urged him to, to come quickly because she had died. Peter raised her from the dead because she was always doing good. Because people loved her. Dorcas, though, Tabitha, served from a place of love and not for love. And check this, I'm sure, I'm positive on this, that when she was raised from the dead, she continued to serve. And the Bible says at the end, as a result of her being raised from the dead, many people um, believed in the Lord. Serving is not something we do, guys. It reflects, it's an action that reflects who we are. I want to invite the, the band to, to come back this morning. and I want you to continue to, to think about that question. Uh, what would others say you are always doing? What would others say about us as a church that we're always doing? Man, it's an incredible privilege to serve the community to bring hope, to bring life, to, to bring change. And we all get to play a part in that. We all get to play a part in that. But the other question this morning is, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is it full of compassion? See, if you want to grow in serving, then you have to ask God to speak to your heart. Serving is not something we do. It reflects who we are. And here's the thing too. And I haven't purposely said this until I come to an end, but there's incredible benefits of serving. So much scientific research has, has been done to, to prove why serving others really serves us. And there's seven big reasons, seven big things, seven big ideas out there that say this. Serving others can help you live longer. Serving others brings you more happiness. Serving others may help with chronic pain. Serving others 
lowers blood pressure. Serving others reduces stress. Serving others gives a sense of purpose and satisfaction. But check this, serving others is contagious. Others go on to serve because of being served. That's incredible, isn't it? And we don't serve to to get the benefits, but as a result of us serving, we receive those benefits. Serving is not something we do, and it reflects who we are. And it's not something we do occasionally, but who we are consistently. We're going to finish now with communion. And again, I want you to remember your heart in this. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant so that we could be saved. I want you to remember that this morning. As we come and as we take communion in a moment, it it starts, man, it starts with a, a thankful heart. And then remember that Jesus came to give us identity and purpose, that we are saved to serve. Then as you take communion, as you take that, continue to ask God to enlarge your heart for others. And then once it gets in your heart, you make sure it goes to your hands and your feet. So let me pray. Jesus, Jesus, I want to thank you this morning that you humbled yourself, that you made yourself nothing and took on the very nature of being a servant. Thank you that you taught us, that you showed us what it was like to to serve others. Thank you for your life that you lived and everything you taught us. Thank you for the life that you give us. And then Father, enlarge our heart for others. Because Father, we want want kingdom richness. I believe everyone in the world needs this too. So Father God, help us to keep looking to you. Thank you for serving us. And now that we're saved, we can serve. Amen. The guys are going to lead us in a, in a song. And it's, here's my heart. Again, an, an opportunity to be thankful. But then ask God, and I really mean this, to enlarge it. Enlarge it for others. Because we are really, I believe, saved to serve. And the guys in a moment will come back and there'll be an opportunity for you to, to get involved. Because guys for us all. We all get to play a part. But let's come, let's receive communion, let's take communion, let's be thankful this morning.